everyone. Welcome back to the Family Framing Podcast, where you can kind of pick my brain on the behavioral science tricks and tips that I have for families that have individuals diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. In today's podcast, I wanted to talk about aggressive behaviors. I'm specifically talking about the ones that feel like we are calm and happy to in this in a split second, we are all out, super upset, highly aggressive, um, and very difficult to calm down. And this is usually happening frequently and over very, very small things. And there's a lot of emotion dysregulation, one, one could say. I was recently working with a child that is like this and their family has, you know, they are receiving services right now and this child is highly aggressive, quite volatile and I have done some things that have made it possible that we in the last six months have only seen about four episodes of really aggressive behavior while they're happening very, very frequently in different environments still outside of where he's receiving services. And so this is something that we're working on to get generalization to all different areas, but we've we've been able to create an environment for him to be very calm and very successful in using alternative behaviors. And th this is something that can be done in the home and then generalized out to other areas such as school or grocery stores, etc. So I wanted to go through, I have four different steps to think about and be mindful of when you are dealing with aggressive behaviors and you're trying to get these behaviors to go away. The first thing I wanted to talk about was you need to make sure that you are teaching replacement behaviors when they are not escalated, when they can think logically through things. So I'll use this child as an example. I knew that they were very volatile. I knew that there was a lot of emotion regulation problems when I started working with this individual. And I also did careful analysis to know the triggers about what was going on. And if you find yourself in a situation where you're not quite sure what the triggers are or a lot of things don't make sense or you're not quite sure why problem behavior is happening, I really recommend that you receive uh, coaching services to find out what is going on there or ask your current provider if you have one to give you further insight and knowledge about that. That is very, very helpful knowledge to have. So as I started working with this individual, I knew that their triggers were things such as being told no, having to wait, being given a limit, interruption from a preferred activity, etc. And so I worked very hard while they were calm to teach them alternative appropriate behaviors to mitigate all of these triggers. For example, I taught them to ask for more time when they were being interrupted from an activity. 
And so what this looked like is I literally, I would set a timer and I would be like, okay, we have two more minutes left on the iPad. And when, when the timer goes off, you can say, can I have more time, please? And then I'll give you more time. And when the timer went off, I prompted again, can I have more time? And then they would repeat me and I would offer them more time as I'm giving them praise. Nice job asking, that's so nice. Sure, you can have two more minutes. Go ahead, keep playing. And I was able through time over a couple of weeks to teach them that if they wanted more time, they could calmly ask and then I would willingly oblige them in that request. When you start to teach this, it's almost as if you have this contract with the child where, well, you did a favor for me, so I'll do a favor for you, so now I'll get off. Usually I find that that's the case where you don't have the repeated, can I have more time, can I have more time, can I have more time? In which case, there's a replacement behavior strategy that I have for them accepting no as well. And if you're interested in receiving training or coaching on how to teach your child to accept interruptions from activities, accept being told no, all of these different things that's totally available in the podcast notes uh, down below. Go ahead and book a free consultation with me and I would be more than happy to offer help in this area. This is something that can be very simply done. It's not very complex, but it can be very, very life-changing. So I went to the big trouble of before we even started really like doing a whole bunch of work and working on all of these different targets, all of these social targets, I taught specifically about appropriate ways to accept an interruption, appropriate ways to ask for more time, appropriate ways to ask for a break, appropriate ways to accept no, appropriate ways, all of these different things. We went down the list and we worked on all of these behaviors so that we had some kind of backbone to fall upon and prompt through when things got a little dicey and people, you know, this and and this child was more escalated. The second thing that I made sure to do was I needed to understand what de-escalation looked like for this specific child. Let me give you an example. This child would engage in hitting, screaming, punching, kicking, property destruction, and they would begin to calm down, maybe taking deep breaths, maybe maybe they would become quiet, maybe they would sit down, property destruction might discontinue, aggression would maybe discontinue, but then they would re-escalate very, very quickly and go back into all of the all of the problem behavior that we were seeing before. And so I had to learn with this specific child that de-escalation wasn't a very linear process and there would be multiple re-escalations and that I needed to hold and refrain from engaging in a lot of conversation, refrain from engaging in a lot of attention and just kind of block and, and hold until they were completely come down. And I found that with this specific child, and I've worked with a lot that had a similar thing as well, but with this specific child, they would become very, very angry, and then they would get very, very sad. And once they began to cry, essentially de-escalation had happened. They were very, very sad. They were accepting at that point of safe touch, like hugs, 
and being held and they were no longer in danger of re-escalation. And so at that point, they could cry and they could receive comfort and then we could move on to what the next steps were in making sure that there was consequence and making sure that there was discussion about what was going to, what was going on with them. So it was really important for me to understand when things were really over and not jumping the gun thinking that, okay, we're calm enough. So I'm going to allow you to go out into, you know, go out and be around other children, for instance, or go out and, and be around more property that you can destroy because that was a big danger with this child where they seemed calm for a very, very short period of time and then they would re-escalate if there was an opportunity. And so I would wait them out until I knew that they were very, very calm, till they had begun to cry, till they were willing to accept safe touch, etc. The third thing that I made sure to do to help with all of these aggressive behaviors that I was working with was once full escalation, once the hitting, the kicking, the screaming, the uh, all of all of that, once that was started and we were in full mode, the time to work through, to talk about, to bargain is over. And the game at that point is to wait and guard, meaning that we are doing our best to guard ourselves from being hurt and guarding the property from being damaged to the best of our ability. And we are waiting that individual out. And there is nothing that we can do short of giving them time to deescalate and allowing them to go through that natural process and waiting for that moment where we know for a fact that that, that this tantrum has officially ended. And sometimes this can be I've, I've sat through these situations where a child will go for, for an hour and 15 minutes straight until they are completely done. And that's something that like, as you, as you get a protocol down and as you work through these problem behaviors, that time can be reduced, especially if you have really great replacement behaviors that they can rely on. But in the beginning, that might be a reality for you where you are sitting through this tantrum for an hour and 15 minutes and you are waiting them through. And sometimes I will have, you know, I've had children in the past that I've worked with that will be bargaining the whole time and or threatening. You know, if, if you don't let me have those jelly beans right now, I'm going to throw this boot at you. And I am in the process of guarding and waiting. So I am guarding myself from being hurt. I'm guarding the property from being hurt. I'm guarding them from, from hurting themselves as best that I can. And I am not engaging in conversation with them like that. In fact, most of the time when I have a child who's in full escalation, I will repeat the same thing. And I will say, and I have this really, really calm voice, but I will say, and it's usually really, really quiet because they can't hear it unless they're also quiet. And so I see them come down to my level a lot, but it sounds something like, when you're calm, we can leave the area. When you're calm, we can leave the area. And I'll just repeat that as needed, not super, super often, but I won't say anything else. And I'll just say that one thing and I won't 
respond to the things that they're yelling and screaming. I won't reprimand. I won't say, we don't say those things. We don't swear in the house or whatever it is. Um, I am just letting them come down because the, the better I let them work the, work themselves down without fighting with them, without reprimanding them, without telling them that they're being bad or that they're making wrong choices, the faster they're going to be able to come down and the more thoroughly they'll be able to come down. And I found that to be very, very true in my practice. So that's something that I see a lot of parents making a mistake on. They want to, you, you know that we don't swear in the house. You don't do that. And, and the child is not logically listening. The child even may be doing it on purpose to make the parents upset, make the parents respond to them. And by not responding to those things, guarding and waiting for things to come completely down, you enable them to understand that having a tantrum is not the way that they're going to be getting the things that they want to have, including their parents' attention. And secondly, you provide them the opportunity to learn that by choosing to do alternative behaviors, such as asking for more time or accepting no, or all of those different things that they're going to be able to get all of the things that they truly want. And that's, that's what we really want. The next thing that I always make sure that I have is once they have completely calmed, I'm going to have a consequence that is reasonable and that makes sense. Now, I have a lot of parents who are really, really big on consequences. And consequences are a great, great teacher, but usually it's the immediacy of the consequence. So for instance, let me give you an example. When I have a child who is engaging in massive aggressive behavior and property destruction, I will have them go into a safe room um, with me and with other trained staff who have the ability to guard themselves and keep the child safe. And we will guard them and wait, wait them out. And as they come down, no doubt there's going to be things strewn around on the floor and, you know, pictures maybe torn off the wall or like, I don't know, whatever it is. And the consequence usually that I select is thank you so much for being calm and talking to me about what made you so mad. I really appreciate you doing that because once again, that's an alternative behavior, uh, teaching them to say, I, I'm really mad because you said blah, 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 that I can't blah, blah, blah. And that's why I did that. So you want to give them kudos for expressing their feelings verbally to you if they, if they are willing to do, if they're, you know, doing that with you. And then I say, okay, well, now that we've calmed down, we're going to clean up the room and then we can go play. Now, I have, I know I have a lot of parents out there that are probably listening to this and they're like, well, that's, that is not enough. <laughs> that is, that is not enough. But the thing, the thing with this is the immediacy of the consequence is going to be the teacher. Okay. So once I have, and usually, usually at that point, the child is like, um, I don't want to clean all of this up. And like, it's not something that they want to do. And, I offer help or whatever it is that they need, but I let them do the brunt of the work so that they have that immediacy and then they can go play. But I reward them cleaning everything up by allowing them to be able to go be a child, go be themselves 
Um, I'm not going to like, okay, and then you need to go to your room and then you're grounded for a week or whatever. And this kind of is one of those things about punishment that they teach you in the field, but they nobody nobody teaches these things to parents, and I don't really understand why. But punishment always has consequences to it. And you don't really know, you know, it, it can have a great effect on behavior, but you don't really know what those effects are going to be, and you can't always plan for them. Let me give you an example. I was once working with a child who was not highly aggressive, but was verbally abusive to family members when he would get really, really escalated. And parents would work with him, but they were doing a lot of the, you know, back and forth. Or, we don't say those things in the house. You don't talk to me like that, etc. And it would take him a really long time to deescalate all the way down. And at that point, you know, they had already set forth punishment. If you say that one more time, you're going to be grounded for a week or whatever it was. And because he was not rationally thinking, because he was not, you know, none of, none of it was, was really hitting home to him. Um, by the time that he came down, he was grounded for a week from all electronics and couldn't go play with friends and, you know, had to go clean his room, whatever it was. Um, and then he would, he would deescalate and had all of these consequences, all of these punishments and, and would have to accept them. But as time would pass in the week, he was still grounded. He still didn't have access to electronics and it wasn't teaching him. So for instance, the weakness with that is he was doing all sorts of good behavior in the home, but because he couldn't have access to electronics and or he couldn't have, you know, access to friends or whatever it was, he was not gaining any, those were his favorite reinforcers. He wasn't gaining any reinforcement all week long for that. And so what parents found was he had nothing to live for, essentially, and could be really mean to everybody all week long because there wasn't any opportunity for him to earn any of the things that he liked to do because he had been grounded three days before and therefore... The reasons for him to use all of his new skills and all of his new behaviors that were more appropriate and nicer for his family were severely impaired. And what ended up happening was because he was being so mean to everybody and he didn't have anything better to do but bug everyone in the house, parents ended up giving in anyway and were like, okay, well, you know, just just go go have YouTube and just like leave us all, all alone. And so what that child ended up learning was like, well, if I'm just a big enough jerk to everyone, I'm going to get everything that I want anyway. Because parents were not able to keep up with that program that they had created. And so oftentimes the effect of a punisher isn't exactly what you think it will be, or it doesn't have the strength that you think it does. And the, and this is how you know. This is the trick. This is how you know if your punisher is actually effective. If your punisher stops the behavior from ever happening again, it's effective. If you're having to ground your kid all the time and you're not seeing any improvement and they're still flying off the handle about every little thing, whatever consequence is being laid down is not effective. It is not teaching them to not do that anymore. So I often talk with parents about this. Well, you know, I, I yelled at him for like 10 minutes about how we don't do that. And I lectured him and it actually turns out that their kid really loves to be lectured. He thinks it's hilarious. 
So what you think is punishing and what you think would be punishing for your child, you, you need to wait and see. If the behavior continues, the punisher is not working. It is not a punisher. And that's how you know. So I have a lot of parents that get confused. Well, well, no, I yelled at him. I, I yelled at him, you know, and, and whatever. No. Well, if, if the behavior stopped, then you know that it was, that it was punishing for the behavior. If the behavior didn't stop, then it wasn't a punisher. Um, there are all sorts of different, different ways I could go around and like teach so many different things just from this one podcast. If this was something that you found interesting or that you found helpful, I really hope that you did. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this. Um, I hope that this helps someone out there who's struggling with really aggressive behavior, really dangerous things. Um, I hope that this was helpful to some parents out there who are looking for some help. If you find yourself in that situation and it's you're feeling like you would like some extra support, extra coaching on this, go ahead and look down below in the podcast notes. There is a link tree there with all of my information. I have a freebie of uh, I have a PDF document with, uh, you know, five simple steps to stopping problem behavior with a whole bunch more information on that. Uh, you can download that for free, be able to review that, be able to implement that to the best of your abilities. If you're finding that your case is one where you would like extra support and you would like to come up with a plan for your specific child and for your specific family situation, um, that is going to help your child be successful and be able to drop these really aggressive behaviors once and for all, please book a consult with me. It's free. A consultation can be a very, very simple it's a half an hour phone call that we have together where you come and talk to me about the things that you're you're actively working on, that you are desiring to change for your child, that you want to know more about, that you can have a plan of action for so that your child can be more successful in various ways. And if if that's something that interests you and you and you want that extra support, you want that extra coach to be able to support you, make sure that you're on the right path and that you are gonna, you know, you can see the results that your child is is truly capable of and you want that peace in your home, book a consultation and let's see where we could go. This is what I do. I coach parents who have children who are diagnosed with autism and they're actively working on these problems. And if I can find success, you can find success. If the clients that I work with now can find success, your child can find a lot of success. And especially with you as a parent, knowing the all the tips and tricks that I have to offer, all of the different protocols that are so so available and so simple to put into practice, yet so profound, your child can excel in all sorts of different ways. There's really no limit. If you if you find that that is you, that this is speaking to you, go ahead and book that consult. If you find this really really interesting, go ahead and subscribe. Also, you can see I have an Instagram where I'm often posting a lot of this information. I highly recommend that you follow me there as well so that you can get those, that information as it's coming out on a weekly basis. And that is all I have for you guys. I hope you guys have a great week and we will be talking to you next time.
For those that tuned in, thanks so much for listening. If you have a question you'd like us to talk about, please send it to us at famframing at gmail.com. That's F-A-M-F-R-A-M-I-N-G at gmail.com. Also check out our social media for more great tips and resources. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next week.